Would you stand with me one more time? Uh, and we will read the, the first 12 verses of Matthew 5 together. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting that by the time we get through the Beatitudes part of this scripture that you're going to know these by heart. And that's a good thing. All right, let's read these. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, Father, may you teach, and we learn. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Someone has said that I need to tell you who I am. I am Matthew's daddo. <laughs> what, a, what a neat youth Sunday last Sunday was. Amen. They did a great job. Every, everyone had a part. And uh, Barbie said this and accurately described it. And those of you who know my wife know that, that she's not one that, that throws out compliments lightly. She means what she says and says what she means. But she said last Sunday evening, she said, Drew, she said, I think that was one of the most God-honoring services I've ever been in. And, and, I, and I thought, wow, you, you, she hit the nail on the head. From the words of the courses to the, to the testimonies, to the message that Matthew brought, to the teachings in the Sunday school classes, to every part. So the, all of you high schoolers and middle school kids that had a part of that, and to the leaders that worked with them, way to go. You did good. You did good. As we... Um, as we look again at this portion of scripture, as Jesus preaches this, the message of Matthews 5, 6, and 7, there on the Sea of Galilee, and he begins his message with this section that we're looking at that was come to known as the Beatitudes. And Jesus being the master communicator, again, in my mind, um, there's never been, again, he's a master communicator. And he, he builds this uh, this message on the very on the things that he lays out in the beginning. Uh, a couple of weeks weeks ago, Craig at his ordination service uh, again did a great job of communicating in the message that he brought that Sunday evening, and and Craig left us with this admonition to stay thirsty for the things that matter. Stay thirsty for the things that matter. Then last week, uh, Matthew uh, would encourage us to long after God. 
Matter of fact, I squirmed a little bit as I, as I sat on, on my seat when Matthew said, if, you are, if you're longing for anything else, if you're desiring anything else in life more than you're desiring God, you're probably missing the mark. Wow. Long after him. I think that may be what the psalmist in Psalms 42, very familiar scriptures where the psalmist wrote, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. And then in, in chapter 63, listen to the way he says, he says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. Now, I know today is, is Mother's Day, and normally I preach a, a message kind of appropriate for Mother's Day, and we are going to be honoring our moms at the end of the service this morning in a very special way. But, uh, but I, I, I want to, I feel like the Lord wants me to, to go and, and speak on the fourth beatitude, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And as we look at how Jesus, again, lays this whole message out, he, uh, he, 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 it, it kind of builds on, as building blocks. Now, I, I've memorized this portion of scripture when I was a young teenager, the Beatitudes. And I'll just tell you then and for most of my life, I had read these Beatitudes and seen these Beatitudes as, as more linear this way. In other words, uh, you know, blessed are you, you're poor in spirit. If you're not poor in spirit, maybe you're, maybe you're one, maybe you're merciful. If you're not merciful, then maybe you're a peacemaker. And I just saw it kind of as an either or, and I kind of figured out where I could fit into that. But the more I look at this scripture, the more I'm convinced that Jesus was building this. Those of you that are old athletes, older athletes, you may remember a coach by the name of John Wooten that coached at UCLA we had a string of national titles there in the NCAA. And Coach Wooten, a masterful teacher himself, developed over the years what he called a pyramid of success. And, uh, and he built this, and every block was built upon those which were in under it. And I see Jesus laying this out, this foundation for this message of the Sermon on the Mount in much the same way. As a matter of fact, as we, as we look at this, Verse 3, it starts, I think a hungering and a thirsting for righteousness, a hungering and thirsting for God begins when we realize that we are poor in spirit, that we are totally bankrupt, that we cannot save ourselves, that we're in need of a savior and that there's nothing, there's no amount of good things we can do or we can't get righteous enough to merit God's favor. And, we, and so seeing that we are poor in spirit, the first beatitude that brings us to the second one, that we cry out, we mourn, we grieve in our desperation, in our longing, in our yearning for a savior, for a rescuer, for a deliverer, the second beatitude. And then once we groan and then yearning, then the third beatitude, it says, blessed are they that mourn. Then there's a progression there of yielding or, or submitting to his sovereignty and saying, Lord, we, I need you. I need you. I'm desperate for you. 
So as we look at these, I believe that all three of these first Beatitudes build or contribute to or are essential to bring us to this place of where Jesus now says, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. I want you to look with me a little while this morning on a couple of things. What does a healthy spiritual life look like? And secondly, what are the results of a healthy spiritual life? Blessed, what does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Now, I've read where some scholars say that in the original language, and by the way, I don't, I don't speak or read Greek or Hebrew uh, although some people say if you ain't from here originally, sometimes they may think I speak in tongues, but it's just that hillbilly North Georgia brogue there, I reckon. But thank the Lord for a good commentators and commentaries. And, and the original here is blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. And they tell me that this expresses a desire or a hunger, thirst for the whole thing. In other words, when we hunger, those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, after God, they're not wanting just one of them little triangle sandwiches that's been trimmed off. You know what I'm talking about? They're not wanting an hors d'oeuvre plate. You know, they're really not just wanting a sandwich. They're wanting the whole loaf of bread. They're wanting the whole thing. They're not just wanting a sip of water. They want the whole glass. It's this thirsting. It's this craving. It's this desire for, for him, for righteousness. This uh, craving, this stronger for more and more of God. And I thought about that. I thought about it last week when, it, when, when Matthew was talking about desiring him. And I've shared with you how after I accepted the Lord as just a young boy, that not long after that I said to, to, my, to my dad, Dad, I wish I could be saved again. And I was missing that, that, in, that maybe that emotion, but I was longing for that, uh, that closeness and fellowship, staying there. And I'm saying to you this morning that I've looked at this and I was thinking about this for this week. I was thinking about, am I, am, I, am I craving God more now than I did 10 years ago? Am I, am I more thirsty for him than I was 20 years ago now? By the, I was telling somebody, by the grace of God and your, and your patience, I've, I've passed through the house of prayer now for 33 years. And so my, my question to me is, am, am I longing for God more today than I was 33 years ago as a younger man? It's a good question. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after God. Now, thinking about this, my my mind went to to the man Moses. And Moses, hunger and thirst after, after, after righteousness, after God, really. Moses, last week we talked, or two weeks ago, we talked about meekness. Moses was meek. Matter of fact, scripture describes Moses as one of the meekest men that's ever lived. But remember the message. I said, meekness is not weakness. Moses, as a young man, went out and he, seen, he saw an Egyptian uh, mistreating a couple of the Hebrews. And he took the Egyptian out. I mean, he didn't just whoop him. He killed him. Moses stood before Pharaoh, leader of probably the, the strongest nation on the earth with the greatest military might at that time. And he stood boldly before him. Moses wasn't, wasn't weak. He was meek. But we see Moses 
in his first encounter that scripture gives a real encounter with God. Remember that? It was out, it was out tending the sheep out in the desert there of Midian. And he sees this, this bush burning. And he approaches it and the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's not burned up. And God's speaking to him. And we see Moses taking his shoes off while the ground he was on is holy. We see Moses falling on his face before God. Then we, we see Moses as he watches God, witnesses God's power in bringing Egypt, the mightiest nation on the earth, to his knees. To where the Pharaoh would say, take these Hebrews and get out of here. We see Moses there at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army now in pursuit and God speaking and Moses holding his rod and the waters parting and millions of people crossing the Red Sea on dry ground and then the sea closing and destroying the armies of the Egyptian. We see Moses eating manna that God provided every day daily except on the Sabbath and we see Moses drinking the water that flowed from the rock. Man, Moses had seen God at work. And so it amazes me in Exodus chapter 33. Look at what Moses requested of God. In Moses 33. In Moses 33. In Exodus 33. (laughs) Moses says, I beg you, Lord, let me see your glory. What? I mean, what? I'm, I'm thinking... Moses, you drank water from the rock, the Red Sea. Moses, the man of Moses, those, the ten plagues. You watched God's work. You've seen God's awesome display of power. And you want to say, show me your glory? Can you imagine that? And I can imagine God said, huh? <laughs> but listen, Moses had an insatiable appetite for more. He hungered and thirst and longed for God. Are you? Are you? I'm convinced that Moses knew all these things that he had watched God do. And he's just scratching the surface. Listen, I'm, I'm so blessed. I can look up here, I'll stand up here and look out there, or if I'm sitting there and looking at the choir a lot of times on Sunday morning. And because of because of you allowing me into your lives in, in different ways and different times over the years. I know a little bit of his story in you. I know a little bit of God's story in you. His glory. The victories. The times when you've struggled. The times when you've hurt. The times when you've been desperately, desperately, desperately in need. And God has been there. And I look and I, and that's my message. Every, I, I could leave it Sunday and I just look and I see God's glory and his righteousness and his power. And we need to lose sight of that, but we need to never be satisfied because we're only scratching the surface and there's so much more. He says, blessed are they. Jesus says, blessed are those who now you've seen your bankruptcy. Now you've grieved and mourned over that. Now you've submitted and yielded to me. And I want to tell you, when you get thirsting and hungering and longing and craving for me, there's a feeling that you can be filled with. Wow. I mean, I look at this. Man, it's awesome. Someone has said that the key to willpower is want power. That people who really, really want something badly enough usually can achieve it. 
Let me give you an illustration. I read this. And an illustration is of a, of a student who approached his spiritual leader. Now, the picture in my mind, and I don't know I, the, where I read this didn't clarify. But the picture in my mind with this is um, uh, Grasshopper, uh, the Kung Fu guy. David Carradine on, on, on the Kung Fu. This is me. Thank you, Tim. The, the, yeah, uh, somebody said Bruce Lee, but he was before Bruce Lee was ever born. There was the Carradine, whatever name. But you remember Grasshopper, but the master. And, and, the, and the student said to the spiritual leader, he says, Master, how can I truly find God? And his master said, Walk with me to the river. So they walk to the river, and they walk into the river, in the middle of the river. And the student looks around and the master takes his hand and puts it on his head and pushes the student under the water. And it's still just for a few moments. But after a few moments, the master's hand's still there and, and the student begins trying to get up. And the master's hand is heavier. And soon the student is flailing and struggling. And soon it's an all-out war to get to, the top of the, to get to the water. And the master takes his hand off. And the student comes up out of the water. Now, I can imagine what the student's thinking. You're going to kill me. But, you know, that's not what the illustration. The illustration said, now the, the master turned and said, when you long for God as much as you long for air, you'll find him. Wow. I thought about that. Wow. Am I longing for him as much as I long for the air I breathe or the food I eat? You ever had a craving? You ever had a, you ever, you ever had a craving? I mean, I, I don't think Barbie and I are really unique about this. I mean, sometimes my cravings usually have to do with chicken, fried chicken or something like that. But, but, but we were sitting on the couch a while back and Barbie said, honey, I'd just like to have something I could chew on. Now, I moved it a little bit closer, further away from her because she looked at me like, and she said, I'd just like to have something I could chew on. And she said, I would, you know, what really sounds good is some deer jerky. Now, it just so happened at that time that I had, a, and some of my grandkids are here, and I'm, it's confession time. I had a, a, a bag of deer jerky that I had hid <laughs> from the grandkids. They'll, those crumb snatchers will get every, every bite of it. If you even but I hid, I got up, I went in the kitchen, I got up in the cabinet. I'm not going to tell you where the stash is, forget it. I went to the kitchen, I come back with a bag of deer jerky. Open that sucker up for Barbie, hand it over to you like saying, I'm your man, baby. But you long, you know, sometimes, now I, I hope, I hope you like deer jerky. She, you know, sometimes you just crave something you could chew on or, or, or get a craving. Sometimes you just get a craving and usually they're weird. I don't know, but, but there's nothing like, and especially if you can satisfy that craving when you get it. I don't know what y'all's are right now out there, but when you can satisfy, when we are, and it's this craving, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, and I was thinking about that. Lord, that's, I, I got the, the craving and the hungering and the thirst. But what's this righteousness you're talking about? And I think Jesus, look with me in verse, verse 10 and verse 11. Jesus, because I think he tells us. He continues. And verse 10, he says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. There's that word again. For righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely, look what it says. Why? For my sake. 
and, and, and that's it. I think that Jesus is saying, it's himself. When we hunger and thirst after him, after him, his righteousness, his glory, the reasons Christians were being persecuted, the reasons Christians are being persecuted today by ISIS and by other demonic forces around the world is because of Christ. You can, you can belong to the garden club. You can belong to the rock society. You can belong to anything in the world. And it's cool. But when you belong to Jesus and dare to proclaim that, there is a target on your back from the enemy. And I tell you, I'd rather be in a fight with a target on my back belonging to him than to be left at ease by the world and wake up in hell. And Jesus says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for me. At the head of, of, of heart, really, of, of, of most of the major religions of the world. And, and we know this, just a review. At the heart of most of the major religions of the world is usually a person. With Buddhism, it's Buddha. With Islam, it's who? Muhammad. With Hinduism, it's Krishna. With Christianity, it's Jesus. But there, the comparison ends completely at that point. Because if you ask the followers of these of different tenets, different religions, how do you find salvation in your religion? If you ask them that, a Muslim's not going to say, follow Muhammad. He's going to tell you, look in the Quran. A Buddhist is not going to tell you, follow Buddha. He's going to say, you need to look at his noble truths. They will instruct you. Listen, Jesus Christ never came just to teach truth. He was truth. He taught truth, but he said, I am truth. Jesus Christ came not just to point the way. He pointed the way to God, but Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's him and him alone. And Jesus said, when you hunger and when you thirst for me, you shall be filled. There's, there's a feeling. Christianity is not just a way of living. It's a, first a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. The conditions of a healthy spiritual life, I believe, is a hungering and thirsting for God. What are the results of that? It's filled. We'll be satisfied. Now, as you look at verse 6, this, this tense of this verb, again, here, shall be filled. It's a passive tense. In other words, it means that it's not something that we can do for ourselves. God does it for us. Our responsibility is not to pursue satisfaction, but to pursue a savior. Our responsibilities is, is, is to seek him. And the results of a healthy spiritual life, I believe, is a contentment. It's a, it's a, it's a, that, that nothing else can provide. I want to I kind of close with, with comparing a couple of different people, real people. And you probably have heard of both of them. But they illustrate so appropriately what this verse says. The first I want to talk to you about, or just mentioned, is a, was a Hollywood famous actor, actress, Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch? Okay. These are her words. Listen to her words. I'd acquired everything I wanted, yet I was totally miserable. 
I thought it peculiar that I'd obtained everything I wanted as a child, wealth, fame, accomplishment in my career. I had beautiful children, a lifestyle that seemed terrific, yet I was totally, miserably unhappy. Listen to what she said. I found it frightening that one could acquire all these things and be so miserable. And if we aren't careful, the lies of the world are seek after these things and when you find them, you'll be happy. And many people have abandoned God. They've abandoned the faith of the fathers to try to climb, to try to find that place of satisfaction only to get there and to find it was a lie. It was a mirage. There's nothing there but emptiness. And Jesus says, but if you really want filled, if you really want satisfied, if you want that hungering and that thirsting and that craving quenched, come to me. Let me give you another person. You, um, you may not know his name. His name is Nicholas Herman. Nicholas Herman was a, a short order cook and a dishwasher. And Nicholas got to thinking about his life. And uh, was really dissatisfied with it. And he thought, man, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a nowhere road, going nowhere. My life doesn't amount to nothing. Matter of fact, he had believed in God and he believed in Christ, but he even got to the point of questioning if he's really saved or not. Now listen, this is a true story. And one day, Nicholas is watching the trees in the midst of uh, wind and storms coming. And he watched the trees weather this. And, and something clicked and he thought, the reason that tree can withstand is because of something that I don't see that's down deep underneath, the roots. And what we don't see underneath is what gives stability to that which I can see and keeps it from toppling over in the storm just blowing at it. And that day, these are his words, He's, he decided to make his life an experiment. This is what he called a habitual, silent Secret conversation of the soul with God. Let me just read that again. A habitual, silent, secret conversation of the soul with God. And those around him said that, that his, to be around him was to sense this awesome contentment and peace. And it was, they were amazed. After his death... They found several of his writings, his friends did, several of his writings, some of his conversations, even some of his prayers. And they compiled them and they put them together in a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And you know him as Brother Lawrence. A Hollywood starlet who had everything that the world said would make her happy. And his emptiness. A monk who didn't even own his own clothes. But he lived such an attractive lifestyle that his friends collected his writings and put them in a book. And I, by the way, if you haven't read it, I would recommend it. It's, a, it's practicing the presence of God. He, he learned a secret that God is with us every day. And so every day he went about Communicating with him as if he were there with him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
they'll be filled. Let's pray. Father, your word is true altogether. And Father, today, you, 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 as, you, as your word is so fresh, it's so real. And Lord, you have, a, you have a, a, a way of putting it in things that we can understand. It's not above our heads. It's not so lofty. We don't understand. We understand this craving, hunger. We understand thirsting. Lord, probably most of us here have never been really, really to the point necessarily of starvation, starving to death. Although if we miss a couple meals, we may think we have. But Lord, we've really not. But you understand, and you can put this in terms we can relate to, that when we long for you, as we long for the air we breathe and the food we eat, you would fill us. We can't do it for ourselves. Our, Our purpose, our goal, our aim is not to pursue satisfaction, but to pursue a Savior. Pursue you, oh Lord Jesus. Those here this morning, Father, that have been guilty of believing the lies of the enemy, and maybe somewhere along the line we've tried to convince ourselves that we could do both, that we could pursue all the gusto the world has to offer and pursue enough of you so we don't go to hell. We find ourselves sore and tired from straddling fences. Lord, maybe this morning is a time when there's a total commitment, a total yielding and abandoning to pursue you. There's a feeling awaiting for those who hunger and thirst for you. You may be here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and today God's Holy Spirit is challenging you and saying this is all real this is all true and it's for you it's not just for the old it's not just for the weak it's not just for a special one or a select few but it's for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord and that's you if that's you this morning why don't you just call upon him right where you sit say God this is me I understand my need of a Savior. Lord, I too have been seeking satisfaction. I've been seeking peace instead of seeking the peace giver. And Lord, it's in you and in you alone that I know I'm going to find what I'm longing for. Come into my life. Take charge. Take control. Right now. Father, we give to you these prayers. We give to you these that have committed their hearts and lives to you. Lord, as a sacrifice of worship and praise to who you are. Another trophy of your amazing grace and mercy. Until we're home. In your name I pray.